0: Um, on my Instagram this week, I made a, a, some short questions just to kind of gauge the topic of evangelism with current Christians. A lot of millennials responded, Gen Z, and just to kind of see where we're at with some of these questions around faith and sharing. And I was shocked as well sixty people that actually responded to that survey. Usually, with evangelism surveys, it's kind of like yeah, people just get <laughs> to like the flames or TikToks that is going on. Um, so one of the questions I asked was, do you think you can share the gospel without words? How many of you think you can? A few of you. Well, six, I was shocked. 66% on the survey said that you can, they think you can share the gospel without words. And while I do think there is some truth to that, like a lot of us are familiar with a the, the quote from St. Francis of Assisi, I think that's his name? And it's, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. It's a very tweetable line. You might see it. Gone online, or maybe stop cross stitching to a pillow at home, <laughs> or tattoos to keep some on someone's arm. But actually, uh, if you look into the, the original stories of some of those lines, Saint Francis actually didn't say that. Mm-hmm. And what he actually meant to say was that it's actually your works are accompanied with words, and that it's actually in. Mm-hmm. That's Patrick He shared a couple weeks ago. He was a pretty bold dude. Like he'd go out and share every day. Even to rocks, I think he mentioned that if you can find anybody. So. This idea that, you know, we just use our life, obviously we need to love people, we need to make sure we're showing our actions, but at some point also we need to use our words. Mm -hmm. Uh, Robert Singh says, the idea is that eventually uh, people will see our works and good deeds, and basically come to this opportunity, the assumption is we will win these people over with our lifestyle without us actually needing to actually preach the gospel itself. And I think many of us, he says, and so many of us go our daily lives in exactly that way, and shy away from any awkward or challenging conversations. It's hard to have those in this and often we shy away from those. Um, simply hoping our deeds will speak for themselves. But is this actually the right approach, he says? Do these words attributed to St. Francis of Assisi actually hold true? And and we're gonna try to make the claim today, and I believe it's true that we need to do more than just action, we need to be using our words that God has given us. Mm-hmm. Romans 10, 14, I think it's on the screen behind me. Uh, It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That last line is important, right? How are they to hear without someone preaching the word to them? And it's not just, I think a lot of people look at like pastors, people on stage, and they think it's their job. It's actually our job. It's the job of the church to equip the saints. You guys are all saints, right? Uh, And we're called to go out. And even if we have the gift of vengeance or not, we're called to go out and to share Mm -hmm. the gospel. It's the Great Commission on the Great Suggestion, right? <laughs> That's not my quote. <laughs> Dwayne Lifton says, uh, it's simply impossible to preach the gospel without words. The gospel is inherently verbal, and preaching the gospel is inherently verbal behavior. We right. both. Mm-hmm. Colossians 4, 5, and 6, just some more verses that kind of back this up. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech, again, words, right, always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer to each person. There's people around us that are going to come into our lives that if we're uh, demonstrating love and showing our actions, they're going to come with questions. And they're going to come, and if we just shy away and be like, dude, we just just love on, right? Christians say that (laughs) a lot. If we just love on with actions that don't have words, we're not going to be able to give answers. Mm -hmm. Uh, 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord, that's first, as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it. This is the key part with gentleness and respect. I think there's a reason that Jesus, two of the names for him is the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of of God. A a lion's very bold. We need boldness of God to preach the gospel to share it, obviously with kindness. But we also need the gentleness of a lamb to do it with an option. Because we we all see those people, right? They get out there and there's just very, probably some of us have done it as well. Um, It's a balance. And I think the other point with this is it's not wrong to get into... I don't know if the word is arguments with people, but there's people that will have genuine questions from other faiths and religions, even people at our workplaces and our schools, and it's not wrong to get into reasonable discussions with people even if it's different than what we believe. I think the key is, like Pastor Steve talked about last week, we're not trying to win arguments, we're trying to win people to to faith, right? And it's okay to get into even, um, yeah, different discussions and, if you will, debates and stuff. So again, To sum this section up, Francis is effectively saying, make sure your deeds match your words as both both and. Greg Kugel, he's He's a theologian, he says, here's the key principle. Without God's work, nothing else works. But with God's work, many things work. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, love persuades by the power of God, the gospel transforms. And with Jesus at work, arguments convince. God is happy to use each of these methods. He's saying that, We need the power of God, that's number one. Mm -hmm. We need the love of the Spirit, and we also need words and works. It's all combined together, and God can use each of those at different times. He says, why do you think God is just as pleased to use a good argument as a warm expression of love? Because both love and reason are consistent with God's own character. The same God who is the essence of love also gave the invitation, come now, let us reason together. Mm -hmm. We should study a bit in the scriptures here. Uh, Therefore, both approaches honor so I just encourage you guys to think about that, like in your daily lives, when you're at work, when you're at school, you're with your families, um, there's going to be people, and if you don't have any yet, God will bring them after this week, that so <laughs> don't know Jesus or or far from yeah. Him. And it's an invitation that we actually can step in to, to bring life, with, uh, not just, you know, actions, but also words.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so today's passage we're going to be studying is Acts 17. Uh, First 16 to 34, I think it's coming up on the screen there. So kind of the background for the story, this is uh, Paul. This is taking place in Athens. Uh, Athens is obviously Greece. And it was known at the time as one of the top philosophical centers in the known world. And I'm, I guess I'm trying to give a modern example. It would be very much like going to a Harvard and, and meeting these professors and people that are very uh, smart and It'd be, for the average person, even for Paul, it's would very intimidating to go to this kind of center of knowledge and philosophy of the world. And so kind of this act 17 continues Paul and Silas' travels out of Macedonia and into Greece. Um, they have been through modern-day Asia Minor. Uh, they've, you know, skipped down the coast. They've, they've established a strong church at Philippi, and this is just continuing on the story from there. So we'll read uh, most of it here, so we'll start in verse 16. So it says, now while, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked, remember that word provoked, we'll get to that, within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean, I think that's how you say it, and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. I just picture them in that line like using like a bus. Very smart accent, maybe British. He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities Because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Eropagius saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So kind cut us a background on this, these people were actually very open to new ideas, and they would have people come in from different backgrounds, different religions, and, and actually they go and present uh, different ideas to, uh, to the people. <laughs> so verse 22, so Paul standing in the midst of the Aeropagus said, men of Athens, just imagine them getting up there, like also the Sparta boys, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this in. Scripture. To the unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And as from verse 24 on, then he transitions to actually starting to share about the gospel and sharing the good news of of God. So we'll go down to verse 27. He says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. For in him we move, we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we indeed, we are indeed his offspring. We'll go down to verse 32. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, this was the response to the Paul presenting the gospel. Some mocked, but others said, "We will hear you again about this." Again, curiosity. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed. And among them were Dionysius, Daryl, Pagite, and a woman named Tamaris. So pastors love to use alliteration. So I kind of get to the trend. Is um, <laughs> there four super spiritual? Evangelism points from Paul in this passage, but also for spiritual, but number one is uh, provoking, and so in the first point we see that actually when Paul enters Athens, his spirit was provoked uh, because of the idols, and so I think this is a lesson for us in our modern day, uh, that we need to have the same posture, yeah. the Greek word for provoked, I think, I'm not a Greek scholar, I love Greek food, I love Opa, and, and, hero uh, raps from Opa, uh, it's Proxenal? You guys want to say that? Proxenal? Proxenal. How you say it? If anyone's a Greek scholar, feel free to correct me. It uh, means to spur on, urge, irritate, arouse to anger. And so Paul gets to this new city, and the first thing he does is God's spirit is provoking him that these are the idols in the land that we need, you need to be aware of. It wasn't let's go evangelize, it wasn't go let's go pray for people. It was actually that his spirit was provoked. Mm-hmm. God was stirring his heart for these people and what uh, was blinding them and kind of blinding them from Jesus. And so it leads us to this point that in our own lives, spiritual stirring leads to cultural shifting. Spiritual stirring, so when God uh, stirs our spirits, so if we're in, say, in uh, our workplace, God, what, what, what are you stirring in my spirits? What are the idols in this place? What are the things that are blocking people from knowing you? And that actually leads to cultural shifting, not in the moment, not always right away, but it will open the door for, for that atmosphere to be shifted, just Jesus is stepping in Yeah, that's good. That's number one, provoking, at least super and points from Paul. Uh, Number two is presentation. We see that in this passage that Paul was an active dialogue, not just in the the synagogue or the religious places, but actually the marketplace. And we see here that he wasn't divided by secular or sacred, uh, which often we see in our world today. Like how common is it, and I've been in this camp, we can get into our Christian circles and go for brunch after church and just go from Christian event to Christian event. But he actually, he didn't just stay in the synagogue. He went out and every day said that he was going into the marketplace and just talking to people doing life. He was doing the small things that actually led to bigger opportunities opening up. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that this word, the Epicureans, they were these pretty influential people. Uh, their views about God were similar to Deism. So that's the kind of view that there is a God out there, but he's kind of not really active. He's just made the world these kind of hands off. And the life goal for these Epicurean people were, was pleasure. And they defined pleasure as the lack of physical pain and emotional disturbance. Whereas the Stoics mentioned the second group. Uh, they believe that God was every kind of this universalistic, universalism mentality where God's everywhere, He's in harmony with nature, and man conquered the world by conquering himself. And so that whereas the Epicureans believed pleasure and happiness was the ultimate end, the Stoics believed in virtue, wisdom, and goodness toward every living thing, enabled the individual to reach perfect union with, with kind of this universal pantheism view. If you like history, that, there you go. <laughs> um, it was cool because, again, this, this opportunity that Paul, because he was engaging in the uh, the synagogues and also the marketplace, he was just doing small obedience. He was just doing mm-hmm. his daily thing, sure. obeying God, but this small obedience actually led to significant opportunities in the kingdom for him in yeah. the city. I'll say that again. Small obedience leads to significant opportunities mm-hmm. in the kingdom. And because of his small obedience, guess what opened up? He gets to go to the highest court, the Aeropagus court, which is the highest court in the land, and God gives him a space to go and speak to these people. And so Areopagus Pegasus was Athens' chief chief court, consisting of probably about maybe a hundred elite, elite word, members. And so they had the authority basically in the land to evaluate new cults coming to town and to evaluate potential leaders. So he's stepping into this, you know, just the marketplace, just the simple areas, and God opens the door and said, no, you're gonna go before the top of the land and have influence. So that's number two. So again, one is, uh, what was the first Provoking. We need to make sure that we're uh, asking God to, to, you know, to stir our spirits to what He's doing in the culture and the things that are there. And then number two is presentation. We need to make sure we're obedience in the in the small things. Number three is perception. Uh, you, if you guys go back to verse 22, you notice that He says, uh, "Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious." I think sometimes in that in this culture that word can be kind of weird, like. Oh, you're a religious man. What does that mean? Right? Like, But actually, in this culture, that was actually seen as a compliment. Uh, Paul was complimenting them by saying that they were religiously observant to other religions and cultures and that they were open-minded to that stuff. And so he starts with a compliment of their culture. And, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how often we do that in our own, you know, like, say we meet a Muslim, right? Or someone from a different faith. How often do we actually go out, the first thing we say to them is we compliment something about their religion or something we appreciate. It's mm, great, um, and then it's interesting. In verse twenty three, he actually—you could argue—he makes kind of appreciation or he notices something, a pagan statue, right? It says, "For I passed along, and he observed the objects of their worship." And so there's this unknown god. It's kind of a weird passage. It's like it's saying there's you know there's no to the unknown god. What is it saying here? And so the scholars have debated this, but, so there was a plague that happened in Athens before Paul's time, and they would, and no, no sacrifices had successfully fully appropriated or pleased these gods that they were trying to appease. Athens had finally offered sacrifices to these unidentified deities of the sites where the sacrificial sheep lay down. Um, and so we, they, were named, sorry, they remained nameless because they were still standing at, for all this time. And Paul uses this nameless statue, this pagan statue, as his basis to start sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I don't know how well that would go in most sermons. (laughs) start with that. (laughs) Uh, But the point with this is that, the point is to seek to understand before being understood. How often I can answer this too, we go into different conversations and we try to get our points across as Christians. We try to be like, well you need to come to, Jesus." and people do need to come to Jesus. But how often do we actually like Paul take the stance that we're going to understand your culture first, your religion, maybe your, your cultural background, whatever it is, right? Your different orientation. And he actually uses this to kind of transition to, to God. And so that's the third point, uh, perception. Number four is proclamation. So Paul uh, is making references, cultural things that they're understanding. And then this opens the door for, boom, for him to share the good news of the gospel mm-hmm. with the people. Verse 28, again, he does this again, again, if you just read it fast, you probably wouldn't notice it, but he actually quotes a pagan poet. Verse 28, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. He's using this pagan poet line to bring it back to God. So interesting. So I wonder, like, how often of us, like, often I think sometimes in the church, people scare us and tell us not to study other religions. Like, not to get to know, like, say there's a Muslim group on campus, like, not getting to know them, or... (laughs) I guess the example like I can think of is maybe the more ministries that come around, how often do we close the doors when they come in off? And, <laughs> and I've done it. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, but I think maybe Paul's actually giving us an invitation that we can go deeper with these people to yeah, actually find them good. in to our homes and start to engage in conversation. And understand a bit of their, how they grew up and their experience. Um, there's a story, so as uh, she mentioned, I've done a little bit of ministry. I did two years before uh, th- uh, before the COVID happened in Thailand. I was working in anti-human trafficking work there. Crazy stories that we saw of God's power moving in that world. And one of the things was, I I guess my Western view of lens had always been, you know, you see, like, you go to Sunday service and someone raises their hand and they come to faith, and that's, God can move through that. But I believe the gospel transcends culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, matter Absolutely. No matter what country you go to. The gospel. The good news that Jesus can work in many different yep. ways that like we're seeing in this passage. Mm-hmm. And there was a our Thai my Thai teacher. She had about seven or eight Christians that were in her classes that God just orchestrated. It was not planned, but she had like eight Christians at the time that just were, were pouring into her. And she was very high up in the Buddhist temple system. Like she would just crazy demonic stories that she had of encounters with the uh, darkness. And but she was very curious about all of us. And she goes, "You guys." She could sense that we had to kind of like she got to pick that up, even though she was a Christian. And over time, about a year, um, she finally wanted to know about Jesus. and But over that year, all of us would ask her questions about her faith. I knew nothing about Buddhism before talking to her, and I learned everything that I know about Buddhism now because I asked her questions, and then she started to get curious, right? Just like in this story, the response of people, some mocked. There's always going to be people that mock when we mm-hmm. hear when we preach the good news, it's going to happen. Yep. You know, the world, Jesus says the world's going to hate you. So if you think you're going to share the gospel and everyone's going to like you, we're not called to be like white people. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. great. Very good. So, yeah. So there's good. But anytime the gospel is preached or proclaimed, there's going to be curiosity. Yeah. And so she became curious. And it was kind of cool because she actually would still go to the temple and she prayed, uh, still prayed to Buddha for a while. But she that picture that she had of Buddha in her mind, she began to pray to Jesus. And that kind of became like she actually would go to the temple and pray to Christ. And she goes, Joshua, I just don't understand it. Like how there's way more power in this kind of foreign God that I don't know about. And she can still be going to the Temple of pray. Oh, that's and amazing. now she knows Jesus, right? Come on. So it's good. So good. Love that. So I just encourage you guys to think outside the box that God's not yeah. limited by our words, by our actions, by a certain way how to do it. Yeah. He can move through many different styles to, to reach people. Um, kind of back to that survey. So just uh, there was a couple other questions. 46% of the respondents this week said they find it hard to share their faith. Uh, in this current culture, uh, 48% say they they feel equipped to share the gospel, so that means 52% say no, and that's our job as the church, is to equip you guys, all of us, to go out and, and live the lives of Christ in us, right, and be the church. Um, this one was interesting, is evangelism easier for certain personality types? 91% of the 60 people that responded said yes. And I get it in theory because like it's easy to look at like someone who's very extroverted or, or someone has a gift of evangelism and to say like, oh, they just, it's easier for them. They're just a people person, right? Or they're, I, I'm introverted. It's just these lies that we we take on because like we talked about, like boldness actually doesn't come from us or our personality type or our background yeah. number. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you're a nine and you're to avoid conflict, that's okay, but boldness can still come upon you, right? Yeah, yeah. very good. And so, yeah. and that's, we'll, we'll talk about that later more about boldness, but... There was a study done by Barna Group, they're a research group in the states. Uh, they they did this cross survey across the states, thousands of people, hundreds of churches. 64% of the Christians in this survey believe that sharing the gospel is optional. <laughs> what? Like, that's, not, <laughs> that's not good, right? Uh, again, we talked about like, the Great Commission, You know, go into all the world, make yeah. like, disciples, not make converts or make disciples. That's just not for a select few, that's yeah. for all of us. That's right. Again, uh, it's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. Yeah. Um, so we just want to talk a little bit about how can we get to contextualize the gospel in our postmodern world. We know that there's many culture seems to be shifting every week as we watch the news and things are just changing so fast. How does the church keep up and still be? How does the gospel keep like still tr- transcend culture in that way? Um, there's a guy named Kerry Newhoff. He's a leadership guru, Christian guy. Does podcasts. Uh, he talked about five important ways that evangelism is kind of shifting. In our post-Christian world, and these are just fascinating. I just want to share a bit with you guys on these. He said, number one, embracing the question is as important as giving the answer, mm-hmm. right? So again, seeking to understand before being understood. So someone may come to you with a really hard question that you may not have the answer to, and I think often I I don't like the awkwardness. Um, and sometimes when we don't have the answer, we just try to give an answer right away can just move on. But he's actually saying that it's okay to actually step into the, the question. To not know the answer, to wrestle with it with people. And to again, you know, sit with people and try to understand who we're, who we're talking with. And so again, raising that question, the questions that people have. Number two is steering the conversation is better than pushing for a conclusion. It's super easy to get in a conversation, to try to be like, my way is the highway. I want you to I want you to know Jesus, right? And we can that can actually come off as uh, like people get pushy with that and they don't like that, but listening, empathizing. And then it's actually easy, but because Jesus modeled it by asking good questions, we can actually steer conversation back to truth by asking good, open-ended questions. Yeah. And more people than we realize are actually open to spiritual conversation. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Most people want to go deeper than beyond if the flames won another game. That's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, but it, it, there's a way that you can ask good questions that people will actually open up to you Pretty yeah. frequently. Number three, uh, being open is more effective than being certain. We all know those people that think they know everything about every topic and they're, they get into a conversation and they just come across as very, very strong and it just turns people off. But if we're, again, being more open to, to stuff, a, per, a person who's always certain thinks they're always, they're always being convincing, which is true. Um, you know, a question that came up one time from a friend was, can I smoke weed and still be a Christian? And that's, there's different views on that. And, I you know, I think, and we, you can get into the answers of that, but um, I, my answer with women was, dude, I just, I care more about you spending time with Jesus every day. Yeah. We can get into behavior later, but I just, as you can us. someone, yeah. I, I wanted to know Jesus first. Right. Not, I don't think I'm called to change his behavior right away. God, the Spirit of God is the job. The Holy Spirit convicts. Yeah. Over time, that will change. Billy Graham said it's uh, God's job to judge, Holy Spirit's job to convict, our job to love. Yeah. Very and good. Often we reverse that order sometimes in our culture. Yeah. Number four arrogance, spugness, and superiority are dead. And so, kind of, this is some examples of this are like using Christian buzzwords or Christian easy conversations, thinking that we have all the answers. We just need to be humble and, again, take the posture of a servant that Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And finally, number five, uh, the timeline is longer. Uh, we're called to make disciples. Jesus took, invested into 12 guys for three and a half years. And it was messy at times. And I think we just need to look at the long game more than the short game. Yeah, We need to Very look good. beyond someone saying a prayer, Right. Gave me safe. It's it's a journey. We need yeah, to step into that and discipleship's message. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna show a quick video here. So I want to get just really practical for the last ten minutes here and just give you guys some resources that you can actually share your faith practically with people in your own life, whether it's your family or your job. Um, so there's a guy named Propaganda. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, yeah. Uh, there's there's so many creative ways that you guys can share the gospel, and I believe there's many gifts that God has given you, even in this room. That are creative, that maybe you do spoken word, poetry, or art, stuff that I can't really do. Uh, but I think it's cool when people can, can use that gift to actually share the gospel. So I want to show you guys this quick video about that, and then we'll talk about it.
1: It's the full story of life, crusted in four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand, crushed into one sentence. Listen to sentence, right? God, our sins, pain, everyone, life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes? God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, thoughts, energy, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, and It's so unique that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept so cold, it's the reason I stay bold. How God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond, created with creation, held in eternal bond, and it was placed in perfect paradise till something. Species got deceived and started lusting for his job and oddness to complaints, as if the system ain't working, and used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny. Our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited. Black in the human heart, it was over before it started. Deceived from day one us, There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like deepening a lion on me. It don't need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer, an asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection with silly us. Trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up with the good dudes. Chant, pray, and meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a course. You could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink it's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. but all of that ends with how good is good enough take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection good luck that's like past the pay grade the cost of your soul you ain't got a big enough piggy bank but you can give it a shot but i suggest you throw away the list. Because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get twisted into what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is someone dying in place. And that someone got to be perfect. The payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade the perfection for your sin and death. And clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness, his death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, bloodstained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone. And by everyone, I mean every look who puts their faith and trust in Him and Him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is. That you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. And this is the gospel. God our sin. Yeah. Is that good news? Yeah.
0: So, behind me on the screen, you guys will see kind of those words summed out that he was talking about. Um, So, Life in Six Words, there's actually an app for that if you guys want your phone. It's Life in the Number Six. And it's a great resource that you can use to share with friends or even just start to be able to have conversations about the gospel, so that's kind of the first one. Um, there's another one called, so it's the company that put on this video, it's called Dare to Share, so D-A-R-E, the number two, share, and they have resources on their website and app that you guys can actually go, so say you meet an atheist at work or an agnostic or somebody that's a different worldview, different religion, they actually have conversations that you can watch and questions that you can have with people like that to so begin these conversations, it's, it's amazing. Um, and one of the things that they talk about in this uh, this program, it's not program, this resource, is the three A's. And these are, I guarantee these will change your evangelism. I know it has for be. The first one is ask. So if you're talking to someone who's not a believer, ask them questions about what they believe in order to understand them. And to kind of break down any relational barriers that are keeping them from considering Jesus. That's, that's good. Because often we come with our points and often we, we ask questions first. That's the first one. Number two is admire. And this is what Paul did again in this culture in Athens with uh, their cultural items like the statue. Admire everything you can about what they believe in order to help people open up. It's not affirming if they have if they have views that are different from Christianity, but it's affirming their honesty and that will actually open up areas of common ground for you to begin conversations. Mm-hmm. So again, ask, admire, and then this is my favorite one. Number three, again, in timing when this opens up, admit that you are a Christian and tell them why you need someone to rescue. And this is where the door where you can talk about Jesus. Um, I saw this kind of play out even in Thailand. I had met a Muslim guy at the beach, we were doing a beach ministry, and he was pretty adamant, like we were doing some worship music, I was trying to play my ukulele, stepping on my gift. <laughs> uh, which, from 15 that day, so. And I remember we were doing all this stuff, and then this guy comes up, and he didn't speak English, I was like, okay. And so we, luckily with, we Modern technology, we have Google and we started having a conversation through Google Translate. And I was like, hello, and we could speak to him. And um, I remember just starting to ask him questions. I didn't know this model, but we did it. And I remember like in the Muslim culture, the Muslim religion in August, they did this thing called Ramadan, where right? they would go and fast for a month. And I was like, dude, that's kind of cool. Like there's some things that we can actually learn about from that as Christians We're fasting. And he's like, I've never had a Christian say to me that you guys actually kind of appreciate that oh uh, so they opened the door to conversation great. about Jesus. Um, the final thing I want to mention is there's an app called the Story app, and basically it has the gospel presentation. So say you meet someone from a different culture, different language, it's got a four or five minute uh, gospel presentation that's in most of the languages of the world, and so we use that a lot overseas, and you guys can download that if you're interested. So this kind of brings us to the conclusion. Um, I just, Romans, not Romans, Revelation 12 11 says, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word other uh, testimony. For they loved not their lives, even not to death. Yeah, the team must to come back out oh, with those keys scrolling. Love that. Um, you guys each, as we said, and we've been emphasizing in the last few weeks, you guys each have a unique story that God has given you. doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for five minutes, your whole life, you grew up in church. Like this verse says, it's by the blood of the Lamb God purchased that for us and by the word of your story that God has given each and every one of you to, to go out into the world. Each of you guys have been placed in a unique spirit of influence that God has you there for a reason to go out and bring heaven to earth. The thing is, we can't do this alone. Yeah, none sure. of you guys are, even if you have the gift of evangelism, none of you guys are good evangelists. The greatest evangelist lives in you, and that's the yeah, spirit of God. It's, very good. it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And like we talked about, uh, we need the boldness of the Lord. And in Acts 4.31, it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they spoke the Word of God. So there's this kind of this model. The first step was they prayed together. So we need to make sure that not just individually, but corporately every week. And that's why it's so important to be in communities. So if you guys you know, want to a small smaller, get into, get with people that can follow you higher, mm-hmm. call you deeper, and will push you to, to go deeper with God. Because it's not just for us, but it's for the people around us. So they prayed, and then it says the meeting was shaken. And we need to get back to that place where I think when we're praying, we need to be in awe of God and in reverence of Him. And then the filling will come. I think often we're trying to go to God to get the filling first, right? We want to go to him and just get it quickly, but we need to make sure that we're praying and doing it together. And so I just felt led, uh, maybe there's some of you guys here today that maybe you're far from God, maybe some of you walked in and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, like you talked about in the video. I'm not here trying to force anything down your throat, we just, we want to invite you into the journey. Just like Paul did, when the word of God is proclaimed, there's always going to be different reactions probably some of you that have more questions. Some of you that maybe are ready or feeling a stir in your heart. as the Holy Spirit stirring you to, to make that decision today. And I guarantee you it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. You know, this life on earth is temporal. We don't know how long we have. And like we talked about, uh, the gospel message is all of us fall short of God's glory. All of us have sinned. All of us have made mistakes that separates from God. And there's nothing that any of us, any religion can do to get us back to that right standard. Perfect. And so God gave and that, that gap that exists between us and God, Jesus is the bridge, the cross, is that bridge from back, from death, and life. And you know, Jesus says it's not anything you can do to try to earn it. You can't give enough money to get in. It's just about placing your faith, your trust, and trust. The death that we were supposed to you know, die for our, our sins, Jesus took them upon himself. It says for God's love and world gave his only son, and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And he says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus rose again, from the dead, you are saved. If that's you, I'm not gonna make you read anything. hand, I'm gonna just close your eyes. And if that's you, or if you wanna recommit your life to Christ, if you've been far away from him, uh, stay here a simple prayer. Just say to you, Jesus, thank you for your life. Thank you uh, for dying on the cross for my sins. I invite you now, even though i have don't understand it, just to be Lord and Savior of my life. In fact, when I to you, I ask you to forgive me. Would you come and just fill me up with your presence, with your voice Spirit? Give me for raising the hand from the dead so that I can have eternal life today? life. Jesus. If that was you, congratulations. Welcome to the family. Those watching online are listening as well. You guys are welcome. We've a decision as well. Come talk to us one of us after. We'd love to get you to a while to connect with our team. And for the rest of us, I just felt led um, to just pray and, like they prayed to Acts word for each 1 to pray over you guys. It's not, we're not trying to hype anything up, we're not about that here, but there is power in the Spirit commissioning people out. And I believe that God wants to release boldness. We did this a couple weeks ago with a youth group that we developed, Tequila. There was a group that came in from Saskatchewan. And I've never seen like, more people on fire for Jesus than these 13, 14-year-olds we sent out with groups. Um, one guy went out and he was so bold. He led on the cross to Christ that night. There was people that got healed. It was crazy. But we, again, we started the night in prayer and prayed for boldness. These kids just went on in the power of the Lord. So I just encourage you if you're comfortable, even if you're uncomfortable, maybe do it anyway. Uh, Just pull your hands out. And I'm just gonna pray the Spirit of God would just release uh, the boldness upon us as we head toward a meeting. So, Father, thank you for today Jesus.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.